1: Hello and welcome back to the New Books in Indian Religions podcast here on the New Books Network. I'm your host, Dr. Raj Balkran, and today I have with us a very distinguished guest, Dr. Paula of Richmond. She is William H. Danforth, Professor of South Asian Religions, Emerita at Oberlin College. Uh, she has edited three volumes and published more than 30 articles on the diversity of the Indian Ramayana tradition. We'll be speaking today about a book, brand new OUP book, hot off the presses that she's co-edited um, called Performing the Ramayana Tradition, Enactments, Interpretations, and Arguments. Um, Paula, a hearty. Welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you for having me with you.
1: Um, you had said something interesting about the podcast medium right before we got started. And perhaps we can say a bit more about that for our audience, um, mm-hmm. especially in this day and age.
0: Mm-hmm. This book um Performing the Ramayana Tradition, we submitted the final copy um, in January before the coronavirus um, hit the U.S. But after that, the publication process was very, very um, extended. And I've heard from other people and other presses that it was a terrible time for publishers. And there was a backup. There's deadlines that were uh, missed, and also financially, academic presses are having a hard time. So I think it really is crucial and very helpful to the field as a whole to have podcasts like this from books for books that are just coming out because um, people need to know about books in order to keep up with what's going on in the field. So thank you for your work.
1: It's uh, my pleasure. Uh, it's an honor to have you on here, and. Um... It's really gratifying that um, uh, our colleagues, including yourself, uh, see the real value of this. I think etymologically of publish, public, publicize, you know, the podcast Mm -hmm. is sort of a parallel means of pub, uh, of publication. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, and who knows, I, I'll be really frank with you and anyone listening. I had no clue that so niche, so nerdy a podcast could possibly be so popular and, or, integrated with the lives of academics and their courses it's slightly staggering and a bit of an out-of-body experience as I speak into a black box in the corner of midtown Toronto but hey I'm glad it's working for you guys (laughs) 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 now I've said too much Uh, more about your book actually before your book Mm -hmm. your co-edited book Tell us about this love affair with Ramayana. like clearly, I mean I mean you're you're passionate about it, uh, you're prolific on the topic. Uh, how did this start up for you what 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 really caught your interest?
0: Well, I think part of it was the time that I was that I began teaching, like the first decade I began teaching. It was a time when people were were rethinking the whole notion of a canonical text and pushing boundaries in fields like literature and one of the things that i found fascinating was that the more i looked into the ramayana tradition the more i saw how many voices were involved in different parts of india in different languages and different literary traditions and how, in a sense, that tradition was so all-encompassing that it was, in a way, a kind of a model for how a narrative tradition could be one that could mean different things to different people at different times in different communities.
1: Yeah, it's a captivating text. Um, just uh, at the right time, I happened to do, a, I think it was a, a senior undergrad course on the on the, the Valmiki Ramayana, in my senior year. And then it really just gripped me. I was just fascinated by this Rama being celebrated for, you know, abandoning his kingdom in a time of need and causing so much suffering. I just, I couldn't, I, I, there was something that I need to figure out. So that our actually ended up seducing me into a master's of the university of Toronto. Um, uh, this was probably, I finished in 2010, I believe. So it, it's alluring, it's a gripping narrative and sort of, I live in the world of Sanskrit narrative but far more than narrative. Um, uh, you, you, your book obviously shows this, and we'll dive into the, the, the specifics, but far more than narrative. The minor really seeps into every aspect of Indiculture, doesn't it?
0: Yes, yes. It's in Proverbs. It's in jokes. It's in allusions. Uh, you know, it just, you'd be so amazed to see where it turns up if you are observant.
1: Mm-hmm. How did this, How did this um, project on uh, performance traditions arise?
0: Well, uh, basically, in 2011, I was invited to attend the third Ramayana Festival at the Adi Shakti Laboratory for Theater Arts and Research. That's in Puducherry, or also known as Pondicherry. And I was um, delighted when I saw the lineup of performances. For a person like me, it was like suddenly being reborn in paradise because there were troops from all over India, you know, all the way from Assam to Kerala. And they were all, um, you know, ones that I'd read about, but never actually seen in performance. So I readily accepted the invitation and I was not disappointed. Now, the thing that made this this notion of collaborating exciting for me was that I was much more um, involved with the textual tradition, although I had begun to study certain uh, plays that were uh, intriguing to me. But, um, and the co-director of the festival was Professor Rustam Barucha, who was at that time teaching at JNU Nehru University in Delhi uh, in, 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 performance, studies, and theater, I wanted to find out how he responded to this material, um, and he wanted to find out why I was so intrigued by little um, little changes in plot or different ways of turning stories, moving incidents around, and suddenly they came out differently. So um, we, we really were not just two people collaborating, we we made a connection between two academic disciplines of training. And that was fairly exciting. And our idea was to, um, and, and this came after the three uh, Ramayana festivals. This was the final festival. We sat down and we thought about which people in various different regional traditions, we'd like to have write essays for a volume, which provided voices from within the performing, performing traditions about how they viewed the epic and the things that were interesting to them, which meant that we were basically um, delving into multiple case studies of different kinds of performance traditions. In India, each performance tradition has its own history, its own sort of lineage of ways of understanding the text. And we wanted to hear about those things and how they shaped not only what people thought about the text, but what choices they made in commissioning performances, enacting performances, and responding to performances.
1: Fascinating. Could you say a bit more about your experience of the cross-pollination of disciplines?
0: Yeah, I I think um, when I first began, I was very interested in a written text And the way that it was performed, because that was my training. But over time, there were things that I noticed about, say, seeing the same performance by the same group, but two or three times, the ways things changed um, in different nights of the performance. I was intrigued. Um, At this festival, there was a performance every night, and the following morning, the whole troupe would be there at the theater and there would be a discussion um, with questions from the audience. What an unusual opportunity. If you just go to a performance, you don't usually have the following day to like bring all your doubts and questions and why did you do it this way? And it was so rich. I could just see that this was going to be something that lots of people would be interested in. And the cross-pollination was not just performance studies and religion, but it was performance studies, religion, and performers of all types. It was rich. En-
1: it, yeah, rich indeed. I ended up stumbling across a professor of defense studies uh, at the Canadian College of the Armed Forces during my master's on the Valmiki Ramayana, and we were having this, this friendly but lively debate on the ethics of violence ahimsa um, versus justified force and uh, we uh, actually we ended up um, 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 uh, a core part of my master's thesis was this lens of just war theory in the Valmikina mayna um, and I, it never would have occurred to me without the interaction so it's always great when when folks from very different disciplines um, religious studies uh, performative studies philology whatever they can come together and and enrich um, uh, our understanding of these works, particularly in that, works such as the Ramayana are just so rich to begin with. They lend themselves to so many different kinds of interpretation. Absolutely. Do you want to do you want to say a, a quick word about the 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 structure of the book, the sections sure. that the the papers are structured in?
0: Sure, I'll be happy to do that. Um, the very beginning. Um, th- there are actually um there are six sections. The very beginning has um an essay that I wrote called Narrative Resources for Performing the Ramayana Tradition. Basically, I'm saying, you know, these are the texts that the case studies in this edited volume draw upon. Then um, Rustam Barucha has written the next one, Thinking the Ramayana Tradition Through Performance. You really get a sense of where he's coming from. And then the third is a translation of a very condensed account of the Ramayana, which um, is taught to students of Kuryatam as a way of learning the hand gestures that they use in their dance. So you're, you're getting the performer's experience of the text there. And it was a very, um, it was a very interesting way to, to start out. There are basically three beginnings, three different ways of looking at the text. Then um, the next section is Politics of Caste. Um, It has several, there are three um, pieces in there about Shambhuka, who is the Shudra, who's uh, beheaded by Rama because he's breaking the um, rule that uh, only the twice-borns can perform asceticism. And this is a very um, old part of the, Text it comes from Valmiki, the last book of Valmiki. Uh, nobody knows for sure, but most people think that that was a slightly later interpolation. Um, and then uh, uh, Aaron Sheridan looks at the different modern retellings of the Shambuka story as a play. It's been—it's almost like it's been rediscovered uh, in recent years uh, because it's—it's um, it's been reinterpreted. In the, in, the, in the development of Dalit literary issues. And then the last one is by a director um, who uh, talks about how they came up with their particular story of Shambuka's killing and brought in all kinds of other materials. And so you, you see um, a kind of a way in which even a small episode, something really short can then become something that is much grander or or much more um, expansive than you would have imagined. And I think that that's true of many, many incidents in the Ramayana that become entire performance traditions in themselves. The next session um, called the Interrogating the Antihero, that really is sort of the core of what Rustam and I were doing because we were both studying performances that featured Ravana. And the ones that I was looking at were from South India. And they they really were drawn to texts that were reinterpreting Ravana's life. In one of, of the uh, plays that I looked at, it shows how Ravana was actually uh, from a very marginalized background, and his his mother um, was so um, uh, she was so sad that her son was the son of a second wife, and therefore would have no opportunity to succeed in life. And yet, the half brother by the first wife was getting all of the money and the prestige, and he became the god of wealth and it's a really a very intriguing story from the way it was um it was reinterpreted this was in seventeen eighty where Ravana became a sort of a underdog who was working to gain social mobility in society through asceticism and became a the ruler of the three worlds i've heard of social mobility but that is an extraordinary kind of social mobility
1: oh that's moving on way up
0: right yeah all the way and then um Rustam barucha was looking at very modern very avant-garde views of uh ravana um one this one i just think is fascinating um it's told from the perspective of the 10th head of Ravana. The 10th head feels marginalized because all the nine heads have a different, very, very rigid notion of what one should do. And the 10th head wants to be a dissident and he wants to do things that are different from what conformists do. So, I mean, you see everything coming into this story. The um, next section is um, called "Performing Gender." Uh, this is a part of the book that's really fascinating um there's There's essays by um, a a woman who played Rama for I think she said twenty six yeah twenty six years, and how. Her view of Rama changed over those 26 years as different kinds of events happened in society. And uh, it just is a very, um, it's it's how her life and her training um, interacted with what was going on in the outside society in a period when there was a lot of change going on in India. Um, And there's an essay there about um, a performance tradition uh, in Tamil Nadu which has been traditionally all male, but she was working at a a school for uh, children in which all of the parts in a play about um, the Ramayana ended up going to women and what that did in terms of the way people perceive the performance. And then a third one about the amazing dancer, Usha Nangyar, this was written by M.V. Narayanan, who's an expert on Kuriyatam and Nangyar, the the woman's um, solo performance tradition, about how she went back into the performance texts and acting manuals and discovered that Long, long ago, the kutiyattam tradition had women performing in the plays, and also the women would perform small solos that told the lives of the women that were acting in the, not the, the women, the characters that were in that play. So, for example, she actually revived performances that hadn't been performed in over 100 years. And so I, I think that performing gender uh, is really an example of a place where we found a wide variety of reinterpretations of the effort going on. The next um, section uh, is called Interviews and Arguments. It reminds me a little bit of this podcast because it's mostly us talking to various different people about their experiences in enacting certain Um, certain episodes from the play. And my favorite essay is the last one in that section called Performing the Argument. Imagine this. Imagine that you uh, live in Karnataka and that you are deeply immersed in the the tradition of narrative and Puranic storytelling. This particular form of performance called Talamadele uh, is actually a form of debate in which two people are assigned characters from the play, and they have to debate with each other and try and prove each other wrong. And what's fascinating about this format, and you could see that this was very much a orally, it, it was a form of verbal art. Uh, they come to the venue, and only when they arrive at the place where they're going to perform are they told which episode from the Ramayana they will be dealing with, and which role they're assigned to play. And then they have to argue with each other, they have to um, debate, they have to refer to all kinds of you know um, famous quotes, other other um, great thinkers, and one night, there's a case there's, of one man who was so well trained that one night he played Ravana and everybody said, oh my God, Ravana is the real hero of this story. The next night he played Rama and that night everyone said, oh my God, Rama is the only one who's really understanding the nature of reality. So I just, had never come across anything like that. And it's really an amazing performance tradition. Um, and then the last one is more about um, everyday life and performance. One, um, one of the essays in that um, talks mainly about um, everybody, well, there's so many people who have studied the Ram Leela of Ramnagar. It's probably one of the most famous performances in the world, but he decided to to look at it from a new perspective. Most people look at how do the performers perform the episodes? But what he asked was, what's happening when there aren't performances going on? They're waiting for the next scene, they're moving to the next place, or they have to be there for an early morning uh, performance so they stay at the Sight all night and, you know, cook, eat dinner, listen to, um, you know, music, stuff like that. What is the other part of the Ramlila, the one that you never heard about until now, if you didn't attend? And then some reflections on the Ramayana um, by Rustin Barucha at the end. So I want to make clear that this is not a book that makes any universal claims about all performance traditions. We picked some performance traditions that struck us as very, very, um, very developed and very um, intriguing in terms of what things they did and didn't do. And we're suggesting that the people who read this book now go out and attend other performances and see what they can discover. So that's it.
1: Fascinating. Um, you did a great job actually, of touching on all of the sections and telling a story throughout. there's um, um, uh, so many directions to take this in. okay, so speaking of 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 the readers of this book, yes. who do you think might most like to read this or might most benefit from this? What sorts of readers, audiences?
0: Okay. Well, you know the regular, um, what is it, the usual suspects um, well, like um, <laughs> you know, uh, South Asian scholars. Um, scholars of Indian religions and um, uh, epic epic scholars, scholars of epics. But what is interesting to me is that there are some audiences that I really hadn't thought very much about as readers. Um, and they are performers. Um, I've had people who uh, who want to know, Well, let me give some examples. I've had a dancer who called me up and said, I want to know how I can do a Ramayana performance that takes into account more than just the usual interpretations of the story. And if you go to this book, there's one entire section that's one entire essay that's written by a dancer that tells you how she was trained and then what happened afterwards when she thought about Rama in different ways. Um, I think. People, um, feminist scholars would find this a pretty interesting uh, set of essays to look at because so many of the things that deal with gender that in Sevalmiki are cut and dry here are being questioned, are being rethought, are being um, reconceptualized even. Um, also, um, I I think one of the things that I found intriguing about the essays was that there's a lot more attention to music um, in performance. Uh, it, music in performance is not a topic that has been uh, well researched in the sense that it's music can have such an effect in a performance. Um, it can set a mood. It can actually, in some cases, it it fills in the story. Um, I'm thinking about, again, this, this fascinating talamadale tradition of debate. The only thing that people have that's set before they start is there is for every one of these episodes that's performed and debated, there's a set of songs that have been written. The vocalist goes to the set and again he doesn't know what play it is until he gets to the site he thinks through the set of songs that are dealing with this uh episode and he is the one who chooses the ones that he's going to sing for this performance and then the players they have to once the song is over there's lots of songs It goes song dialogue song dialogue once the song is over the performers have to pick something, either a theme or a word or a phrase from the song and use it as a start of a debate. So they have to choose from the song. And so this is a performance where I would say there's three people or three kinds of people making choices. The patron makes a choice. Each of the actors makes a choice and the musician makes a choice. So that is a very collaborative form of performance. So um, and then um, there's another reader. This is one of my all time favorite kinds of readers. I call it the smart non specialist who enjoys encountering new fields of thought. And a that lifelong was learner. Of, lifelong learners. Um, that was What I loved about my experience being a teacher at Oberlin, I would have these people who were math majors, and in their last semester, they would take a course on Indian religions. They asked such interesting questions, you know, questions that weren't raised by anybody in the field. So um, I, I, I wrote that, I wrote the part of the book that I wrote, I wrote it so that I gave enough background so that my students could understand it and be interested in. It. So I hope many people read it.
1: Oh, that's great. That's that's a really rich and thoughtful <laughs> response. Um, I uh, the <laughs> one of the uh, areas that I've worked in is continuing studies. I was at continuing studies at the University of Toronto, um, uh-huh. twenty ten to about twenty eighteen, officially twenty twenty. Uh-huh. And and similarly, you'd have folks who have some knowledge in the particular subject area for me was comparative religion that I thought I that uh-huh. I taught there. Uh, and sometimes folks who were coming from a completely different discipline, but always wanted to know something about um, religion or Hinduism or or whatever it was. And those out-of-the-box questions. <laughs> oh, <fascinating, okay. laughs> They're like, yes, because they they force you to, uh, to to see it anew, right? They force you to just land here from a, from, from from Mars and, and remove your helmet and be like, what is this that's happening here? <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, certainly, the implications of each uh, contribution of each paper. Uh, they're varied and they're vast pertaining to 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 caste and gender and performance issues and all that um, what would you say some perhaps uh broad themes are or or w- uh, uh, otherwise put what would you say is the, the 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 general takeaways are a sort of contribution to scholarship how would you how would you talk about the volume as a whole
0: mm. You know that's a very hard question in an edited volume because it's sort of more than the sum of its parts. Um, uh, let me let me try to answer that question by just giving a few observations. and and by no means is this um, is, is this the only way to look at it. But um I guess, uh, I'd like to start by saying that there's a difference between um, a bunch of papers that are published in the same book and a set of essays that that give different that focus on different aspects of the same issues. And so, in some ways, any way you read two different essays in this book. It'll be interesting to see how the themes and the issues are in some way connected or interlinked. That's just to say that I can't tell you everything, but I'll just give you a few examples. One of the things that I found really interesting after being after reading different texts of the Ramayana and, and the texts like Valmiki, Kumban, um, Pusidas. Those texts have a beginning and a middle and an end. They have a narrative arc and you you can follow it. Um, and it's very rarely that a performance tradition has the equivalent. The one exception I can think of right off the bat to that is the Ramlila of Ramnagar um, Banaras. And the reason for that is because that particular tradition of Ramlila Is a month long, and every verse in Tulsidas is recited from the beginning to the end. Now, it's important to keep in mind, because otherwise that would sound absolutely overwhelming, is that people come to certain nights and not others. In the very beginning of the text, when there's a lot of stuff that's not particularly dramatic, the audiences are very small. But on certain nights, thousands of people are attending. And that, even though it has a beginning and a middle and an end, certain nights are the nights that thousands of people attend. Every year, certain nights are really popular nights. So that suggests that in performance, it's not so much the whole narrative arc, it's people picking episodes and thinking about and enacting those episodes. Almost all of the um, essays deal with a few episodes that are, um, that are crucial to those performances. For example, um, there were several plays that were dealing with something, that, an episode that's generally known as uh, Sita Swayamvara. The, the breaking of the bow or the marrying of Sita. And then there are other episodes where you just never see them performed. And what accounts for that? Um, some of the essays talk about why certain episodes seem so important to them. And um, so that's one thing that it is much more of an episodic um, endeavor than I would have imagined before
1: image of, um, of sampling from a buffet comes to mind rather than sort exactly. of a seven course meal. Yeah.
0: yeah, you can't eat everything, so you sample. And certain items on any buffet are going to be more popular than others. <laughs>
1: to, be, to be savored, no doubt.
0: Exactly, exactly. And that really fits, that image fits. Um, I would even add something else the people who come to that buffet are foodies and they really come to see what is going to be tasted that night. How can people do it in an especially wonderful way? So, okay, what other uh, things? Um, I would say that the theatrical tradition determines a lot more about the play or or the drama than I would have suspected beforehand. And I'll give you an example. Um, Bhavabhuti has a play called Uttararama Charita, which is about the later days of drama. Now, it's in a form of Sanskrit drama where there has to be a happy ending. Now, generally in many Ramayanas, there is not a happy ending because Sita is banished to the forest and she raises her sons and then later on she goes back to her mother but since there can't be an unhappy ending in that play rama and sita are reconciled and back in love at the end it's it's uh, the effect of the conventions of that particular kind of genre another um, example is in the udayashankar indian uh, india culture center performances it is not the case that most of the performers are men or all of the performers are men. In other um, kinds of performances in India, it's only been men who were in troops, traveling troops that uh, moved around and performed. And those troops had uh, men who um, who were specialists in performing the roles of women. But this more modern dance style of Udai Shankar, they taught two different kinds of movements to all of the students. First, they taught the male movements, which were based on Kathakali, and then to all of the students, they taught um, Manipuri styles, Bard Natyam and Kathak, which were female movements. Now, if you played the role of Rama, it didn't matter if you were not a man. It only mattered if you knew the masculine movements that were the basis of that tradition. So uh, again, I think I I learned a lot more about how a particular tradition of theater can shape um, what you see of the Ramayana. Um, And then I just like to say one other thing um, that I noticed, which is um, there's an awful lot of emphasis In the transmission of a a theatrical tradition, on the guru who passes down a particular way that those performers perform. It's you know, it's not it's not some independent genius uh, who comes out of nowhere and says, "I have a totally new way to perform the Ramayana." That's more. Yes, exactly. The parampara. And some of those people are uh, y- y- like if you sit around with a bunch of performers and you ask them, what effect did Amanur Madhava Chakyar have on your performance? You could be there for two hours. They would, they would recall for you conversations that they had with him and how they do their performance today, even though it's been years
1: since that person was alive so fascinating thank you for indulging my question because on the one hand of course this is a book about the Ramayana uh, um, um, performing the Ramayana uh, on the other hand it's a book that shows uh, um, um, the utter diversity of that yes. and and it, it it's a, there is both a centrifugal and centripetal thrust to the book because you what you're try, what you're trying to show is the utter diversity of performances of whatever this thing called the Ramayana is um but I'm I'm glad I'm very glad that you indulged the question because you're, you're you're able to to broad strokes paint for the the listeners some of the themes some some of what can be learned or discerned or noted and of course the uh, various readers um will, will will note other things and pay attention to other things but that's quite useful to have those broad strokes uh comments and one of the things i find myself saying more and more whether i'm teaching at the ochs or at the online school is that um you know there'll be questions about mantras and everything that i answer i'll say this is provisional uh, <laughs> this is everything you know this is the case but yes this is a, day- <laughs> yeah. this, is a this is a daytime mantra but at krishna paksha in this lineage you're chanting at night for some other aim you know but and so one of the ideas I keep returning to is what I'm about to say is generative, not exhaustive. And that gets them, that gets them out of the mindset of, okay, I have the rule now. No, 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 no. I'm pointing to a, a, a pattern, right? You can, it's moving in the opposite direction that critical thinking likes to work, which is, what is it? It you know, slice that idea. Define Where is it? Define it. it. Tell its limits. Exactly, yes. exactly. <laughs> Own it. <laughs> exactly um fantastic um what um this has obviously been a work that's been long in gestation you must be uh ecstatic to have it out in the world are you currently working on the, the ramayana or what are next steps for you
0: well um i'm getting kind of old now so I'm not planning another 10-year project, but um, I do have a project that I'm pretty excited about that I just um, finished writing. Um, I I've I've become intrigued by visual representations of episodes in the Ramayana, and um, I I spent a lot of time studying and analyzing a set of Mithila paintings. Of Sita. Now, before, before one says, well, why that? Mithila is, is the place where traditionally Sita was found in a furrow on the ground and uh, raised. So, how do uh, men and women painters, actually, women and men painters, because more women write, uh, paint, how do they, how do they portray Sita? And uh, these are, this is a painting tradition that began in the late 60s and continues today. And one of the things that's very interesting is that the early painters and the painters in the last decade are portraying her in very different ways. And that is so interesting. And um, now I I you know I'd like to I'd like to look at some other painting traditions.
1: That's that's fascinating. I might be slightly biased because uh Ramayana has has uh, called me as well, but that is absolutely fascinating for a number of reasons. Um, was there anything about the the, the volume that you hope to be touch on before we close?
0: Um, let's see. Uh, boy, I should have been prepared for this kind of question. Oh no um, no no no. no, no, no. I... <laughs> I think that actually um, I don't see this volume as actually complete in the sense that when I go back to India, if I hear about a performance, I'm going to be sure I get to it. (laughs) So I still think there's a lot more to see and to think Uh, about.
1: Well, the best books, as I like to say, are beginnings, not endings of fields of study. So um, yes,
0: I agree. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much for appearing on the podcast today.
0: Thank you for inviting me. And it's been a pleasure to interact
1: with you. <laughs> pleasure was mine. For those of you who've been listening, we have been speaking with uh, Dr. Paula Richmond, co-editor of Performing the at Tradition, a brand-new OUP press, uh, OUP book. Uh, uh, until next time, stay safe, stay sane, uh, keep listening, keep reading, and go attend a performance. Of that Ramayana. Take care.